Hey, this is Brian Golden, lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I also really want to thank you for taking the time to listen. And I want to let you know that now you can watch these messages as well, anytime and anywhere. And the easiest way to do that is on the Centerpoint Church app. In addition to that, the Centerpoint app is also the easiest way to stay connected with what's happening at Centerpoint. So go to your favorite app store, search Centerpoint Church Florida, and you'll find it right there. Most importantly, I really want to say if you're a longtime follower of Jesus, or maybe you're just investigating who Jesus is, I really hope this message encourages you to take your next step in your journey of faith or in your journey of investigating faith. Thanks again for listening. I'm terrible uh, at waiting in lines. I'm terrible at waiting for anything. Um, I'm not very patient. I, um, we, we go to Disney World, um, we have passes, and it occurred to me recently, this is kind of embarrassing, and I, I feel like I'm growing in this, but you never really know. Like My wife the other day is like, yeah, I think I do a better job when I go to Target and stuff than I, I used to, and I'm like, no, you don't. Um, like just because you go off the discount rack, you're still filling carts full of stuff. So, and if we get one more fake um, dead leaf or a pillow that says fall is here, or another pumpkin that shows up in our house, I'm going to go crazy. Like there's a limit, right? Um, so lovingly, it's like, no, you're, you're great, but you're not doing any better than that. Um, and so in this area, like, I feel like I've grown, but I don't know if I've really grown. And I realized recently it was kind of embarrassing that we go to Disney World and my wife has become an expert on the fast passes and getting those organized and scheduled like on point and making sure we never wait in line. And I, she kind of dropped a side comment where I realized at one point, we have three toddlers, that the main reason she does that is not for our toddlers, It's for me because I like I get in a line and again, I'm trying to grow. I'm not there yet, but like I just, sometimes I just become an idiot. I become irritable. I'm not any fun to be around. I can't wait to get through it. It's miserable. Nothing in the world is worth waiting in a line. I don't care what it is. Um, I just hate it. So I get in a bad mood. I get irritable. Sometimes I get angry. I snap at the kids. Like I just, I'm just telling you, if you wanted a pastor that got it all together, um, this is not the one. So I'm, I'm growing in this area, but I'm just, um, I'm just like, like a few years ago, we were coming home from the mall and this is the other thing. Like I, Nicole kind of blamed it on the kids, but I just was, it was uh, Christmas time. We had just been at the mall. We're stuck in traffic on state road 60. And I just, again, I'm complaining the entire time. So finally she's like, Hey, I think we just, for the kids, we need to let's just drive into McDonald's for a few minutes. And later on, she's like, listen, the reason I needed to stop at the McDonald's was not because of our toddlers. It was because like, I literally, you're a grown man. I had to get you ice cream, stop at McDonald's (laughs) so we could make it home with our marriage intact. So here's here's my point is, um, I think at a lot of levels, sometimes that's how people view Christians view Jesus followers and, and not all of us. And so I know some of you get um, nervous when I get too honest, but I can do this. Like I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus. So I can talk about me. I can talk about us honestly, but have you, I mean, do you think the prevailing kind of outsider perspective is, man, they are so much fun. <laughs> that answers my question. <laughs> like they are so joyful 
They're, they're so happy. Like, I think sometimes the vibe that we give off in, in terms of following Jesus, and this was me for a long time is, yeah, like I wanna do it and I love Jesus and I'm trying to follow Jesus, but it sucks. And think about Jesus, man. I know we've talked about this a lot in the series, but Jesus, I mean, he selected 12 blue collar guys, like, and he was able to relate to them. He, he was able to, to go into people's homes, nothing like them and have a good time. And they, they wanted to be with them. They wanted to hang around him. Like there was something about Jesus where I don't think you ever think about this, but, but this characterized him, this characterized his life. Like when, when I grew up, if I can be really honest, for a long time, I, all I saw was, and this was just my environment, my dad was an amazing pastor, but we were kind of in this environment where I saw a lot of, a lot of angry white dudes. And, and I think it colored my perspective of, of following Jesus and, and what it looked like. And, and then I went to seminary and it wasn't much better. And I, I constantly, and I'm not, I'm not trying to oversell this, but I just... I kind of felt out of place. Like, and I only say this because I think a lot of you are there. It took me a long time, I think, to even figure out who I was. But because I, I, I kind of got this idea of what it meant to follow Jesus. I mean, I remember in seminary, I just felt like I, we are completely disengaged from culture. Like, I, I felt like, I, do we know how to laugh at jokes? Like, do we know how to have a good time? I just remember ridiculous things like this dude that I'm not making fun, but I kind of am. Um, like, couldn't watch Big Bang Theory because it was promoting evolution. I'm like, seriously? Um, I, I remember um, me and my brother were, we were about to watch the Super Bowl, and you knew I was going to talk about football today. And um, the Bucks were going to be in, in 2002. And, and I remember um, this guy's like, because we were like, that's when we did like Sunday morning and Sunday night church and Tuesday night and Wednesday night and every night just about. And, and this guy's like, well, you know, I'm going I'm to be at church because I love Jesus more than the Super Bowl. No, I, I love Jesus too, but I can also love the Super Bowl. <laughs> and the Bucks are in the Super Bowl, so me and Jesus are going to be talking a lot over the next four hours tonight. Like, I think it's, I think it's all right. Like, I just think, and I'll try, I'm going somewhere with this, so just hang with me, but I think, and some of you, you're just gonna hang with me because I'm gonna make you uncomfortable, but I think we need to loosen up a little bit. I think we need to um, learn how to laugh. I think sometimes we need to learn how to be normal. Um, I think we need to learn how to, we've talked about this already, engage culture, not reject culture. That's a very biblical thing. And um, I even, I, I got to move on, but like even my wife and I, we got married, like we'd hang around other pastors and stuff like that. And we're kind of sarcastic. And we always felt like, I think we need to tone it down when we're around other people. Cause I just don't feel like they must look at us like, what is wrong with you guys? I just, I didn't feel like we, we fit in that thing. And it just was a struggle. And so for a decade or so, I didn't really know who I was. Even in becoming a pastor, I, there was a few years where I had to struggle with like, who, who am I and what I thought I had to be? And, and I, there was a while I was not having any fun. And, and even the whole following Jesus thing, we talk about the fact that it's all about grace, but I feel like so many of us are like, it is, um, I don't know, it, it's a pretty... It's a pretty weighty thing, obviously, but I think we, we talk about grace, but we don't feel very free and we're moving forward following Jesus. And it feels a lot like a weight. It feels really complicated sometimes. And um, I just kind of had to figure that. And I know part of the objection is, well, it's not supposed to be fun. 
Jesus, it, it, there's reverence and there's holiness. In fact, here's the term is God wants your holiness more than he wants your happiness. That's not true. I'll come back to that in a second. In fact, here's the, the thing that I'm gonna propose and I, I will try to unpack this biblically is that, that part of the mark of spirituality, that part of the mark of, of your following Jesus and growing in your relationship with Jesus is your ability to enjoy Jesus and enjoy life and experience joy. And I know we love to always separate. We don't even like to use the word happiness, but to be happy. And I'm not talking about some false thing in the church where you're like, how are you doing? If I, you know, I, I, if I was doing any better, I couldn't stand it. And you're just like, shut up. Like, just be real with me for a second. And last week we talked about it. Sometimes we walk through really difficult seasons. So I'm not talking about pretending. I'm not talking about this, this airbrushed view of reality, but but part of following Jesus is joy and happiness at some level through kind of the overall landscape of your life should be present. I mean, think of this. Think about this whole, how this whole thing got started. Luke writes about it, that um, the angel shows up to the shepherds. The shepherds were scared to death. I won't give you the backstory, but they couldn't handle dead animals, which means they could never go to the temple. They were on the outside of the religious system. Generally in the first century, they were shady. So as the angels show up, they're trying to put down their weed and stomp it out. And they're terrified on several levels, levels. And what does the angel say to the shepherds? I, I'll read it for you. <laughs> if you haven't watched Charlie Brown, do not be afraid. I bring you, what is it? I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Like you can't encounter good news without there being great joy. It is inseparably linked. And I understand everybody's got personality differences, so I'm not talking about an emotional thing. It's not all about emotion. I will say this though, I think at some level in the church, if we really understood good news, it should move us at a different level emotionally. Like I've never watched anybody walk out and go, hey, we just got engaged. <laughs> is it an arranged marriage? Like, why aren't you more happy? I've never watched somebody come out of like that, that labor room and go, oh, we're having a little girl. Is it your kid? I mean, what, like why, why is there not, why I just have an angry resting face? Maybe, but may, maybe you're missing something. Maybe we're missing something. And, and again, it's not all emotional, but it's so funny, man, because I watch people go nuts about sports and about, I mean, you give somebody new hardwood floors and they're out of their mind sometimes or Fortnite or whatever uh, stupid crap you want to, you, you know, and, and they go crazy about it. And I think at some level, if we understood, it would do something in us. I think at some point, it's gotta do something. I mean, think of Jesus' statement. I've come to give you life and life to the what? Full. Well, yeah, he's talking about forgiveness. No, he's not. That's a small part of it. He came to give you life, not life with heaven when you die, life that begins right now. He says this in John, John records it. I've told you, talking about the good news, this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Amen. Like what? What if that's it? 
What if that's it? What if, and I don't ever even hear this talked about, but what if one of the marks of following Jesus of spiritual maturity is enjoying Jesus? And I'll try to explain what that means. Enjoying the life that he's given, enjoying the salvation that he has given you, understanding that, that Jesus is, is happy. But like, just think about it. I think there's a couple reasons that, that keeps us from this. I'm gonna look at three real quick. And I think the first one is this, in many cases in the church and us as individual Jesus followers, that our message a lot of times is weighing people down rather than providing them with good news. Uh, one t- there's a story, Jesus is, um, rolls up on this, this woman that we don't know her name. She's just known as the, the woman at the well. Maybe you've heard the story. And Jesus comes, he has a very specific point. Jesus never uses any encounter by accident. And so he rolls up on this woman, uh, John 4, 7. And it says, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, and this is awkward. You know the backstory, maybe. They didn't talk. She's a Samaritan. He's a Jew. They did not get along. Um, There was a huge racial divide there. There was a spiritual divide. Um, The disciples were off getting food somewhere. You didn't talk to women generally like this. I mean, but the whole thing is a setup. And so Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And Jesus answered her. Verse 10. If you knew the gift of God, literally the good news, and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him. Here's the thing I think that as much as we talk about it, in a lot of cases, we are constantly obsessed with coming and bringing whatever we got to Jesus, whatever we have to Jesus, rather than just coming to Jesus to go, hey, just fill me up with what you have and let me be obsessed with that more than I'm obsessed with bringing you something. Like, listen, here's the reality. Jesus is the good news. Do you know that? Like good news is not something out here. Jesus in a body is the good news and good news is connected to great joy. Like think about how we think about Jesus. All of the attributes, nobody goes, you know what? I think Jesus is happy. Never shows up on the radar. I think Jesus is joyful. I think Jesus, like he wants me to enjoy him. I think he wants me to enjoy the life that he's given me. Nobody ever says that. When we talk about spirituality and how you're growing, we sit around tables and go, are you, did you, are you, did you? Still looking at porn, are you, did you, are you, did you? Hey, what if one of the questions started to be, hey, are you enjoying Jesus? Are you obsessed with Jesus and what he's done for you rather than constantly bringing your bucket to the well to give him something? Like, okay, can I just say this? And don't, don't screen capture this in a second because people are gonna take it out of context and that's already happened in this series from random people. Like just listen to the message rather than firing feedback off of one slide. So um, just getting out that off my chest. Uh, all right, so can we just stop trying to love Jesus? Please, can we just stop trying to love Jesus? And here's what I mean. Our entire system and structure and way of life in terms of of how we're looking at this thing is constantly obsessed with walking out and trying to love Jesus. How many of you know this? On your own, you have no ability to love Jesus. You have no ability to muster up enough feelings to love. It's why so many of us are dry and so many of us are discouraged because we've got it all wrong. That is a byproduct. It starts with good news. Good news is not something is needed. 
Good news is something has happened and you need to get comfortable under the waterfall of what Jesus has done for you and getting obsessed with his love for you. And everything else is the byproduct of that. And so when you walk out of here today, your modus operandi should not be, I'm gonna go try to love Jesus. It should be, I'm gonna go somehow remind myself and do life with the reality that Jesus is loving me and I don't deserve it and I'm not worthy. And if you do that long enough, everything else in your life changes. Here's what... Here's what John says, John 15, nine, and I'm not gonna unpack this though. We could camp out on this for a while. It says, as the father loved me, this is massive. So I've loved you. Now it's sequential. Now remain in my love. Earlier, a few verses earlier, it said, abide in my love. What if that's it? What if walking out of here today, and I think a lot of you, you, you have not got this message before walking out of here today to go, Jesus, I just want to spend some time enjoying your love. I want to spend some time enjoying you. I want to spend some time reminding and remaining in your love for me. I'm just going to walk out tomorrow and I'm going to do life with Jesus and I'm just going to enjoy Jesus. And I know that's kind of weird because we're always like, well, what does that mean? Like do life with Jesus, like make paninis with Jesus, leg day with Jesus. At some level, yeah. Like our our whole system is set up as kind of this cognitive approach where I think if we return to the radical nature of relational invitation in the New Testament, we'd be called heretics sometimes. We'd be accused of watering it down. Because all of it is, Bob Goff says it this way, we spend a lot of time just getting information about Jesus, learning more about Jesus, insight about Jesus, give me something new. In any other realm of relationship, that would be called stalking. (laughs) Rather than a relationship. Is knowledge bad? No. Is information bad? No. It is not the end goal. I think some of us are too obsessed with walking into services and walking into small groups constantly trying to get new knowledge. You know what I haven't got past yet is the knowledge of the gospel that I need the same amount today as I did the moment of my salvation. So maybe I'm not that smart, but today I just need to remind it again. Jesus loves me. Jesus is obsessed with me. Jesus' favor is on me. And it is not on the basis of me. It's on the basis of what he's done for me. I don't know if I can ever get past that until I breathe my last breath. And I want to live a life just doing relationship with Jesus. And so he says, like, and if you're in a place to go, okay, well, read the next verse, bro. Because like, it's all about the commands. If you're going to enjoy Jesus, if you're going to do life with Jesus, you better keep Jesus' commands. So I hear you. So look, verse 10, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. And you're like, see, if you're not keeping the commands of Jesus, you shouldn't be enjoying anything. You should be thinking about what you've done. You should be just kind of in a place where don't lift your hands right now. Because what do you have to be happy about? Listen, just watch Christians when somebody fates plants, when a leader falls. 
Man, we are quick to rush in to go, you better sit there and think about that for a while and do not lift a hand in worship until you get it right. And then skip down to verse 12. Let me unpack this. My command is this, sequential. Love each other as I have, what's the two words? Love Love each other as I have loved you. In the scripture, there's law of perpiscuity. Don't, Don't create a doctrine out of one verse. This is what you see sequentially throughout the scripture. Literally, the command is, would you just remain in my love? Would you just abide in my love? And as you do, it's what comes first. You will naturally love other people. Eventually, may not happen tomorrow. It is going to flow out of your life. It is impossible for not, that, that not to happen. So just, just remain in my love. Just be aware of my love. Abide in my love. And then skipping up to verse 11, here's what he says. And I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be, what's the word? Complete. Well, what about sin? What about holiness? What about it? It all ends in good news. You're in sin right now. You're in dysfunction right now. You can't see yourself getting out of that right now. Here's the reality. Yeah, there may be some consequences to deal with. It may be bad right now. You may be in a really difficult state, but you can still walk out of here. And if you place your faith and trust in Jesus, the reality is you have been released from that. You have been freed. The debt has been canceled and it may be hell right now, but Jesus can create a better future. It is good news. And yeah, what about the holiness? That if you place your faith and trust in him, you are given the righteousness of God, not just forgiveness. Literally, the father sees you as right and good and perfect, not because of your behavior, but because of what Jesus did. I don't care what you give me, it ends in good news. And if we are showing up and not allowing people to leave with good news, we are doing it wrong. It is good news. It is all good news. And so as we walk out of here today, Like I think, and I feel this so deeply, I think we need to start getting more obsessed with Jesus' love for us. Let's stop being so obsessed with our love for Jesus. That's gonna come. That's part of what Jesus wants for our life. But I'm not constantly waking up going, I gotta, I gotta read some more. I gotta read some more. I gotta, I gotta pray some more. There's just constantly treadmill of I've gotta do more rather than why don't you just get up and maybe for the first time in a while, just go, Jesus, thank you. I'm not even gonna try to bring you anything today. I just want you to fill this up and remind me of what you've done for me. And I'm just gonna abide. I'm just gonna remain in your love. I'm taking you to lunch today. I'm gonna enjoy a sunset. I'm going to listen to music and I'm just going to thank Jesus for his grace and his gospel. So I'm setting this down and I'm asking you to fill it up because this is my only hope. I want to be obsessed with your love for me. And that's really difficult, right? It's hard to just, it's hard to just remain because you constantly feel unworthy. You feel like I got to go do something before I can enjoy this, before I can be happy in this. Like, have you ever tried to praise a little kid? This is most little kids. It's hard for them to take it. They'll kind of put their head down and, you know, they, you know there's a little smile, but there's, it's the threat of insecurity and shame that started in the Garden of Eden. Like we have a difficult time just remaining there. Now, some people are different. Like my little son, Ryder, I praise him. It is so uncomfortable for him. I do the same thing to Brooke or my wife and they're just like, bring it, keep, like, keep it coming. But for most of us, it's, it's difficult. 
Because a lot, of, a lot of times we're weighing people down rather than giving them good news. And because that's happening, the second thing is we really have trouble believing that Jesus wants our happiness and our joy. Verse 10, in the same narrative, it says this. You still with me at the 9 a.m.? Jesus answered her. They kind of go back and forth. And then he says, if you knew the gift of God and, and who it is to ask you for a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you, what is it? He would have given you living water. Now here's it. She, he knows that she's searching. See, she's searching for life. She's searching for joy. She is searching for happiness but she's constantly coming up empty, drawn out of the wrong wells. And Jesus, this is a very strategic encounter. He's going, listen, I just want you to know I'm here for a reason, that what you're looking for, it's only found in me. And in verse 13, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water is gonna be thirsty again. Like, here's the reality. And this, is, this solely goes to a place where I don't think we've taught this and our level of trust is just, it's just not there. That every single one of us, man, we're drawn from some kind of well. We're drawn in order to fulfill a desire for love. I don't care if you're a dude that doesn't wanna admit it, this is in you, a desire for acceptance, a desire to feel worthy at some level a desire to feel some kind of security in a world that's flying out of control. You have a desire for joy. You have a desire for happiness. And in many cases, because we don't believe that Jesus actually wants to give us that, we are, we are drawn from some wells where we constantly end up thirsty. Like you're in a relationship and you're trying to get more out of that relationship than it can really give you. And so now you're looking at another relationship. Oh, we just fell out of love. You're, you're buying another phone three months later, you're leasing another one. And then all of a sudden the, the leather seat smell starts to wear off and you're as empty as ever. And it sounds crazy, but it's, it's what we do. And we're constantly drawing from wells to try to fill the void of our soul. And here's the reality. What happens is if you don't understand that Jesus is for this, he wants to lead you in a life of joy, a life of happiness, not pain-free, but he has life to the full for you. If you don't understand that what you will do is you will take what God created and you will worship the created thing rather than the creator. You will take the gift and you will make the gift a God. And the very things for some of you right now that God literally put in your life to enjoy, you're not enjoying them. Instead, enjoyment has become enslavement for you. And you're looking at your job going, man, it's just out of control. I hate it. Maybe, but maybe there's something deeper. Maybe you've taken a career and a job and now that's your source of I'm okay or I'm worthy or I'm enough and no job, no career can provide that for you. And now you are, you are so miserable and it's not really the career. It's you're trying to draw something out of a well that is gonna leave you thirsty again. For some of you, it's marriage. And marriage can make you happy. Marriage can give joy. Marriage was designed as this really good gift, but, but you're trying to draw out of that your ultimate source of making you whole, maybe making up for the past. The ultimate source of, okay, I'm happy because of what's happening in this marriage and, and I'm, I'm banking on them making me happy. And a marriage cannot do that for you. And now you're looking at something else or, or you're looking at maybe we're, maybe we're just not in love anymore. 
Maybe it's you're trying to draw out of that well what it was never designed to give you. We do the same thing with sex, ultimate source of pleasure. We take it out of context of how God's designed it. And what was designed for our pleasure, now it loses its intimacy and we're carrying around shame and guilt and shame and guilt should never be connected with sex. We're doing it with our kids where we are so, I think this is a cultural thing. Man, we are so obsessed with how do they view me, my kid being enough at some level, vicariously living through them, making sure we're keeping up. You are at the t-ball field pretending it's the seventh game of the world series and like you need to chill. And I think at some level, we're not even thinking about it. We are driving our kids and driving their schedules and we're not enjoying our kids. I think we do this with a number of different things. Man, friendship becomes our desire to feel okay and be accepted. And now we've made it this thing where we're constantly comparing and you can't even enjoy the relationships in your life. So I just wanna tell you this, Jesus is after your happiness. Jesus is after your joy. Jesus wants to give you life to the full, but you've gotta take the created thing and not let it become the thing that you worship and instead allow it to push you to the creator. Have you ever thought about the fact Jesus created pleasure? Jesus created you to laugh. Jesus created you to feel things. Jesus created sex. Jesus created orgasm. Jesus created that to be enjoyed. Jesus created pleasure. And the reason that makes you nervous is because we have sold a gospel that is sacred and secular and it is keeping us from enjoying Jesus and understanding his good gifts and recognizing that culture should be engaged in. Jesus created it and it should lead us to worship. Good wine and good friends and enjoying a restaurant in a sunset and enjoying your kids or those days where it just seems so good. And you're like, man, every day is not like this, but this was incredible. This was an amazing day. And understanding that Jesus has created everything to enjoy. So ultimately you would enjoy him and it would lead you to worship. Everything is worship. Everything is worship. We have to stop confining Jesus to prayer closets and quiet time. Tomorrow I'm getting up and Jesus is going with me. Jesus can be enjoyed over a latte. Jesus can be enjoyed when I'm having sex with my wife. Jesus can be enjoyed when I'm drinking good drink and enjoying friends and watching the Bucks crush the Steelers tomorrow night. (laughs) Jesus can be enjoyed. And I know some of you, this is just off the rails for you, but I'm telling you, This is how we have been designed and you are missing worship because you are waiting to show up and sit in a row and lift your hands and worship is all around you. Jesus is all around you. Jesus is with you. Jesus is leading you and Jesus is to be enjoyed. And when you enjoy what he's created without making the creation your God, without making the gift a God, literally it stirs something in your heart that you enjoy Jesus and it leads you to the place to understand how good the gospel is. And so I'm gonna move on, but I just wanna say this. If maybe some of you are in a place where just things are off and, and you're not enjoying, and the crazy thing is the very things right now that are the source of your angst may be the very things that, that Jesus has given you as a gift, Jesus wants you to enjoy, but you've got to take that created thing and you've got to shift your focus where you stop worshiping it and start worshiping him. But let me say it this way. It always feels like a weight. Like where do you feel the greatest weight of anxiety right now? 
Where do you feel the greatest weight of just, I'm not enjoying, I'm not happy, I'm not feeling it. And here's the reality, the weight that you feel around that thing may be a window into what God wants to reveal. That, hey, you've taken this gift of marriage and sex and you're using it outside of the context that I've created it and I want you to enjoy it. But you've got to shift your focus and you've got to return it to a place that I've designed it for. And so wherever you feel the weight, the weight may be a window into what God wants to reveal. And what is stealing your joy maybe could become the source of your joy. I love this verse and I'm going to move on. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord. Literally means take pleasure in him. Be happy in him. Take joy in him. Just remain in him. Just abide in him. Just be reminded of how he feels and thinks about you and it's not tied to your behavior at any level. Just delight yourself in the Lord. And it says he will give you the desires of your heart. Jesus never created a journey where the whole thing, and this is, I think, mostly what we give the vibe off of, like, I'm just, I don't wanna do it, but I'm trying to follow Jesus. That's not following Jesus. You begin to really abide and remain in Jesus' love. What his desire is, is not to get you to stop doing what you wanna do, but literally to change what you wanna do and to transform your desires, not lead you to suppress your desires so that literally you begin to have a life that syncs up with how he created you in the Garden of Eden, where you see the created thing as a gift from your creator. You begin to use it as he designed it and it produces joy and happiness and fulfillment in your life. Listen, Jesus is a teacher of hedonism ultimate pleasure is found in him and him alone and following his plan for your life. And so listen, it is not about suppressing your desires. It is you delight in the Lord. He'll start to transform your desires. He'll do something at the level of what you want. And literally you will live a life where you're doing what you want to do as you follow Jesus. Is anybody hearing that? And then verse 15 This is how it ends. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water. Like I'm in, I'm not exactly sure still what you're talking about, but I'm in. And so then what Jesus does next is kind of like, ah, what do you, I don't know what you're thinking here, but you're Jesus. Verse 16, he told her, told her, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you this water. Sure. After you go call your husband and come back. Now just, just real quick context. It says in the very first verse, you can go read it for yourself, that she comes to that well in the middle of the day. Nobody did that in that culture. It's as hot as, you know what, it's hot. Nobody would go in the middle of the day. She, she went there in the middle of the day because she was avoiding. In fact, it wasn't even the closest town or the closest watering well to Sikar. She went an extra distance to go to another well so she wouldn't see people in her town. Kind of like what we do after school when we're gonna to go to Toppers, but we wait for the homeschool and PTA moms to leave and then um, we go to Toppers. I'm just kidding. If you're a homeschool mom, I'm just kidding. And so she, she goes out of her way to go to this well and the whole reason is because she's ashamed and she's hiding something and she doesn't wanna be outed. And Jesus, this is, this is the Jesus that we serve, a God of grace and truth. He reaches into the most painful circumstance of her life 
because he knows she's at a place right now to go intellectually, I agree with you. I want what you're offering, but I think if you really knew me to the depths of my soul, you would retract your offer. And Jesus' whole point is, this may be an obstacle for you, but I'm bringing this to the surface so that you know that what you're hung up on is not an obstacle for me. And so verse 17, she said, I, I, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. And what's really interesting is in that culture, a woman could never initiate divorce. They were seen as commodities. So a husband or a Jewish man in that culture or Samaritan, whoever could just go, I just want to divorce you. There was no ramifications. That was it. So what this means is this woman had been rejected over and over and over and over and over again. And she keeps going back to the same well, trying to draw out of it what she's looking for, like a lot of us. And she just keeps thinking, well, maybe one more relationship, maybe if it's the right guy, it'll work. It's not working. And there's some guy sleeping on her couch right now, and she's right in the middle of it. And we don't know a lot about her, but here's what we know. This isn't how she desired for her life to end or to end up. She didn't want to go from relationship to relationship, be rejected over and over and over again. And now she's living with some dude on her couch and none of it's working, none of it's satisfying. And Jesus knows that if she's ever really going to experience the good news, he's got to reach into the most painful circumstance of her life to go, this is why I came. And this is an obstacle for you, but it is not an obstacle for me. And he knew where a lot of us are at, where intellectually, I think we're there. There's a lot of us who are like, yeah, yeah, I believe in the good news. I believe that Jesus forgives and, and on and on it goes. But we, when I start talking about enjoying Jesus, for you, that is very much tied to getting your crap together. That's how you interpret that. No, no, I'll, I'll embrace his forgiveness in heaven when I die, but enjoy Jesus, be happy in Jesus. Think that Jesus is happy with me. Because for a lot of us in this room or, or listening around the country, we're not really happy with ourselves. And this is such good news. See, we hear a lot about Jesus forgives and Jesus redeems and Jesus died and all of that's true and it's amazing. But Jesus is happy with you. Jesus is happy with you. Well, how, how could that be? I, and you start listing off your thing. Listen, what you are doing right now, your behavior is not you. And when you place your faith and trust in Christ, he comes to invade your soul, give you the spirit of God, take your sin. And yes, he gives you forgiveness, but go read Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. He gives you new life. When God the Father looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ in the midst of your addiction. He sees the righteousness of Christ in the midst of your failed marriage. He sees the righteousness of Christ in the midst of your habit that you cannot kick. It is based on his performance and not yours. You are not worthy. You are only worthy because of Jesus. And so in this moment, I just want you to hear this and Holy Spirit move in the hearts of people. Jesus, right now, I don't care what your past is or what you're walking through. Jesus is happy with you. Je Jesus loves you. Jesus has pursued you. Can we just get around this idea for a second? You did not choose Jesus. 
You did not choose Jesus. Jesus chose you. Jesus, when he rolls up on this woman by the well, this was not the route to get to where he was going. Jesus went out of his way to go there to that well because he's like, we have an appointment. You don't know it yet, but we do. I've come here. I knew you were going to be here. We're about to have an interaction that's going to change your life. I am pursuing you. You've been married five times. That's a big deal. It's not an obstacle for me. I'm about to go to a cross and handle all of that. And I'm going to make you my daughter. I'm going to give you my righteousness. I'm going to give you new life. And you have every reason to enjoy me because it's not based off of you. It's based off of me. Jesus came to you and it may have looked like a breakup. It may have looked like a random invite to church and you didn't really know what was going on. It may have looked like just a dark time or hurt and it started to get you to question God or ask questions about God, but it was not random. It was not by happenstance. Jesus came to your well. Jesus was pursuing pursuing you and he chose you to go, I want to love you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to connect you with my father who wants to be your dad and wants to call you son and wants to call you daughter. And I came after you in the midst of whatever that was so that you could enjoy me and you could enjoy relationship with me in church. We got to get to a place where the good news is actually good news. And in the midst of your thing, you can walk out and enjoy Jesus and enjoy what Jesus has done in your life. He chose you. And I, I know, again, you just watch people who walk through stuff and you look at other Christians going, just, just calm it down for a minute. I mean, none of us, I, I don't think in large part are encouraging people to worship and encouraging people to enjoy Jesus or encouraging people to be happy in Jesus in the midst of their stuff. We always have this idea that they need to get beyond it. And then you've got something to celebrate. That is not the gospel. That is not the good news that Jesus is offering. And you know what? When you're lost, when you're struggling, when you're down, when you're in the midst of a habit, where you've walked through a season now, maybe it's a decade long and you're just not feeling anything, that is actually the best time to remain in Jesus and abide in Jesus and celebrate Jesus and recognize in this moment, I just need to get it. You are happy with me, not because of what I've done, but because of you. And so I'm gonna rejoice in you. I'm gonna rejoice in your gospel despite me. I'm gonna find joy in you. And as a church, we need to be the kind of church where people celebrate in the midst of their dysfunction. And we say, lift your hands, sing at the top of your lungs, look at Jesus, rejoice in Jesus, be happy with Jesus, because that is the good news. And here's why I'm going to close with this. Nehemiah 810 is such a strong verse. For, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. For the joy of the Lord, by faith it's going to appear here in a second, the joy <laughs> of the Lord is your strength. It's your power. Let me just give you this because this is gonna help some of you as you walk out of here. You're waiting to overcome. You're waiting to get through the really difficult season you're walking through right now. You're waiting to kick the habit. You're waiting to somehow get yourself in a place where you just, you feel better about you because of what you're dragging around. And you think, if I could just get on the other side of it, if I could just get through it, if I could just stop with this habit, if I could just, if I could just move on the other side, at that point, I'm gonna get my joy back. I'm gonna get my happiness in Jesus back. I'm gonna, I'm gonna move to that place. And, and it's driving you deeper into habits. It's driving you deeper into disappointment. And you can't seem to get to the other side.
because it is your joy. It is finding happiness in the midst of the circumstance or in the midst of the habit or in the midst of the sin that is your strength to move to the other side. You don't need to wait to find your power and strength before you can find your joy or before you move to the other side to find your joy and find your happiness. Right now in this moment, as bad as it may be, finding your joy and your happiness, not in your behavior, but what Jesus has done, it will be your power. It is your power. It is your strength. And it is what unleashes the power of the spirit of God in your life. I I love this, that It says the woman ran back to her town and almost excitedly, she's like, he told me everything I ever did. He knows, married five times, dude's still on my couch. I can't remember his name. Nothing's changed. I just got back here, but I just want you to know he knows everything. And what she's saying in that moment is for the first time, I think in her life, I am fully known and I am fully loved. He knows everything. He's not gonna retract his offer. And I haven't changed anything yet. I gotta figure out what to do in this relationship. I gotta figure out how to move forward. Things are dysfunctional. Things are a mess. I'm carrying around a ton of baggage, but I am known and I am fully loved. And I just met Jesus. And it changes everything. So in the midst of my sin, I'm enjoying him. In the midst of my sin, I'm being happy in him. In the midst of my sin, I am recognizing that Jesus has done it all. And if I stay here long enough, it's gonna change everything. And I just want you to listen to me. Your circumstance has no right to steal your joy. Your circumstance has no right to steal you enjoying Jesus in order for chains to break, in order for freedom to fall, in order for your joy to re inhabit you in order for happiness to start to flow again. Your past has no say over your enjoyment of Jesus in the gospel. And if you would begin in the midst of this time where it seems so counterintuitive to just look at Jesus and enjoy Jesus, it will change everything because he walked out of a grave, meaning he did the time and the law does not have any hold over him. And he's given you new life. You have every reason today to celebrate him. And and I love this and I I gotta be done, but this is so, this is such an incredible picture. It says she's so like out of her mind and so excited that she runs back to her town. And then there's this little obscure part of the text I find fascinating. And it says, she left her water jug there at the well. She became so enamored with Jesus so enamored with what Jesus was offering, this invitation of life, that the very thing that she came there to get now does not matter in view of Jesus. And here's the thing, you start enjoying Jesus, you start getting obsessed with Jesus' love for you, you start just doing life with Jesus and stop this treadmill of trying to work for him and love him as if you have the ability to do that it'll break the power of sin in your life. And not because you're white knuckling it and trying to overcome it and putting another filter on your computer. 
It'll be like Golden Corral and Burns. Like you've been hanging out in Golden Corral and yes, those rolls are nice, but people are sneezing all over the plates and it's disgusting. And who knows how many germs are in that macaroni and cheese? How in the world could you eat that? And all of a sudden you experience Jesus and you're like, yes, the rolls are legit, but why in the world would I want this when I've met Jesus and Jesus is so much better? And all of a sudden, the thing that you were so obsessed with, the well that you were drawn from becomes completely insignificant that you leave the well and never look back. And it was because of your willpower. It was because of your joy and your happiness in Jesus, knowing he's happy with me. He has set me free. His ways are better. He wants to lead me into life to the full and he wants to lead me into eternal life, which doesn't mean just heaven when you die. It means it starts right now. And so I'm gonna begin to enjoy him. I'm gonna begin to get obsessed with his love for me. And all of a sudden, the power of sin loses its grip on your life. And so we, we got to get this back. So I'm just going to end with this verse because I think this is the heart cry for some of us. And, and, and it may be our heart's cry similar to where David was at, where he was in the midst of a dysfunctional circumstance that he created, drawn from some wells that were going to constantly leave him thirsty. Or maybe you're just in a place where it's not some moral dark. It, you just have no joy. You, there's no happiness flowing out of you. The good news, somehow we've become inoculated to it and it's, it's not so good anymore. And I love what David writes, restore to me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And for some of you used to have it, but it's just gone. And your prayer right now is, Jesus, just restore me back to that place. Restoring me the joy of my salvation where I just was able to get up and I was just moved by you and, and moved by your love. I just want that back again. And so my way forward is just this, that you would get up to, to, tomorrow and I don't wanna give you another to-do. I think we're so weighed down with that. And there's some things that, that are gonna contribute to, to really discovering this love. And so you just need to figure those out. But for a lot of you, I just wanna tell you this, just get up tomorrow and stop worrying about how much you're reading or what you didn't do or how long your prayer time was. And just get up and remind and remain. And just go do life with Jesus tomorrow, like literally. Enjoy a conversation with your wife and say, man, Jesus is good. Go experience time with friends. Go look at a sunset. Go, go and enjoy some of the good gifts he's placed in your life. Go laugh with your kids and, and pull away from the secular and spiritual divide and recognize tomorrow when I get up, I'm going with Jesus. And I'm gonna talk to him throughout the day. And I'm gonna be reminded because it started to become intuitively, intuitive for me of just, Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for, for what you're doing. And, and there's, it just sounds weird, but there's certain things that just well up praise and even emotion in me that are way outside the confines of a church building. But Jesus, I just wanna remind myself today that you're happy with me, that your love 
is never gonna be any more than it is in this moment. It is relentless, it is unending, and it never runs out. And I'm just gonna enjoy you. And I'm gonna enjoy life with you. And I'm gonna praise you. And there's some things I've been drawn out of and with the help of your love, I just wanna surrender them. And here's the thing, wherever you're at right now, you need to worship your way out of it. You need to worship your way out of it. You need to worship your way out of it. You get up tomorrow and your default is to focus on your sin, focus on what you haven't done, focus on the fact that you need to do more, focus on changing your circumstance. And I know this almost seems irresponsible. It's never gonna work for you. Get up tomorrow and focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus' love. Focus on the fact that you can enjoy him. Focus on the fact that it has been an incredible weekend and the Gators won and the Bucks are gonna win. And I've been able to enjoy great time with my kids and I've been able to laugh. And it's just as spiritual to me as when I'm lifting my hands and worship in this room. So I just want this for our church. And so all over the house, would you just stand with me? We need to be done. And some of you who just need this, would you just lift out your hand to say, I, I need this by the power of the spirit of God right now. And Jesus, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you're doing in our midst. I thank you for you. And, and Lord, I, I don't know honestly how this landed. In some ways it's difficult to communicate, but I'm just resting in your spirit to, to bring clarity. And, and my hope for a lot of us is that we would just be freed up. We would just see you and experience you in a way that we never have before. And Lord, we need to get back to understanding this is, this is part of really encountering the good news. And so we wanna walk out of here today and we wanna enjoy you and we wanna do life with you. And we want to just renew our mindset to know in this moment what you think and what you feel about us. And we need to laugh and we need to rejoice in pleasure. And, and God recognize that it is worship. It was created by you to enjoy you. And so do something in us, even in the midst of a sometimes dark culture, that this may be our greatest opportunity to be light in that culture. And so move in us. And I just pray today that some chains would break and some freedom would be felt in the hearts and lives of people all over this room and watching wherever they're at. And we pray this in the incredible name of Jesus. We love you, but more importantly, we thank you for your love for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this message, would you do us a favor and rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher? You can actually now listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Basically, this just helps us get the message of Jesus out to more people. And the other thing I would say is, we would love for you to join us at one of our gatherings. One of the things we work really hard at is to create a safe place for people to be able to ask questions, to be able to investigate and grow in their faith if they're longtime followers of Jesus. And one of the things that we say a lot is regardless of what background you're coming from, you can belong here before you believe. And so if you want more information about our church, our location, service times, just go to our website at centerpointfl.org.